message. It's great to be with you. What wonderful hospitality to extend an invitation for me to join you in your living room. How good is church in our pajamas or in our umbrics? Uh, my name's John, and I'll be sharing the word with us today. We are partway through our series in the book of Hebrews, and I'll be reading from uh, chapter 4, verse 14, through to chapter 5, verse 10. Maybe you'd like to join me. It reads, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach, the, approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your son. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence and awe. Son that he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The high priest in this time uh, was very well regarded. Priests acted as an intermediary or a bridge between God and the people. Their main responsibilities were to make sacrifices, to pray, offer gifts to God. A high priest was usually a descendant of Aaron. Father to son would pass on this uh, responsibility of serving in the temple, their main post of doing business. And like jobs today, they had a uniform to wear. They would wear a breast piece, an ephod, which was like a vest-like apron, uh, a, a robe, a woven uh, tunic, uh, a turban, a sash around their waist. And, and these things all had uh, incredible significance. And if you'd like to look at those, you can look at them in Exodus 28 and 29. They would dress in this religious regalia. And once a year, they would enter the temple's Holy of Holies, this, this precious sanctuary that no one else was allowed to go to on behalf of the people's sin. And there they would light frankincense and, and, and other things to allow uh, the prayers or sim symbols of the prayers of the people going up to heaven to God. The original reader of this letter to the book of Hebrews would have understood all this and more. As a family, they would have visited uh, the temple each year. On the way, they would have brought or bore animals like doves and sheep, other things, to take to the priests to sacrifice uh, there at the temple. 
on, on behalf of their sins. They, the special priests and their attire would have disappeared into um, the temple and then they would have come back uh, to give the people their, their all clear until next time. A bit like a blessing day for us. Being a Christian in those times, though, was very challenging. There were many zealous Jews around in Jerusalem trying to win back the Christians, trying to convince them to return. Have you ever felt tempted to give up on your faith? Has ever, anyone ever tried to put pressure on you to turn from being a Christian or to convince you to, do, to follow a different God? Maybe you've encountered Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses on the doorstep or at a bus stop. Maybe uh, there's been some other reason that's caused you to, 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 to stop believing in Jesus. Maybe it's peer pressure as a teenager, or maybe a Christian or even a church let you down and that's caused you to reconsider your faith. For me, I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was 13. I lasted a couple of years before I started to wander and go astray. I made some bad decisions. I preferred to hang out with girls and my friends and they had a bad influence on me. The things they were focused on, none of it was really any good. On my 16th birthday, thankfully, my parents gave me a CD for my birthday. And it, it was a CD uh, of the band BT Talk. They, it was their album, Jesus Freak. And on it was a song called In the Light. And I played this song, In the Light, uh, over and over again. It struck me. And the Holy Spirit met me in my bedroom that day. And I found myself on my knees, weeping for hours, confessing my sins to God and allowing his grace to wash over me. I've had many other moments in my 27 years of following Jesus where I've wanted to leave the faith. Perhaps you have too. Thankfully, I've had longer periods of more confident faith than shaky faith, uh, and these wobbly moments uh, are often referred to as a crisis of faith. If you've, ever, if you've been there, you know what these early Christians were experiencing when the zealous Jews were trying to convince them to come back. The author of Hebrews makes some arguments, though, about Jesus that are relevant for those early Christians as well as for us today and provide some uh, significance for why we need a great high priest in Jesus. The first thing he says is that Jesus is the Son of God. This is different to priests of old. Like I said, they were passed down father to son, generation to generation in Aaron's line. Jesus wasn't part of that lineage. He wasn't part of Aaron's family tree. Instead, we see the author refer to Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, uh, specifying the relationship of God the Father uh, and Jesus the Son, which is obviously a more significant and much more divine uh, ancestral line than that of Aaron and Moses. Jesus is able to jump ahead of any other priestly order as a result of this. Um, and in fact, he gets assigned to the order of Melchizedek, which we'll unpack over the coming weeks. The second thing is that Jesus was appointed to this role by God. The priestly role had a, had a high standing, a, a lot of status within Jewish society. After the exile of the Jewish people to Babylon uh, and their resettling the land of Israel. Um, they weren't able to appoint kings. 
they were actually continued to be under uh, influence, political influence from other nations, neighboring nations. So priests acted not just as spiritual leaders, but as a pseudo-political leaders. Hebrews explains that Jesus didn't pursue this role of being a priest. Uh, in fact, he didn't pursue the title or honor. Like many of us that pursue a promotion at work, God chose him for the task. The writer says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. This was a position assigned by God, and that's hard to beat. The third thing that the writer of Hebrews says is that Jesus has great empathy for us and our concerns. Now, compared to the old ways of doing things where priests would administer the sacrifices, gifts and and prayers in a once a time uh, time frame, once a year time frame, Jesus came among us. He understands our temptations and reasons for sinning and is ministering on our behalf for all of time. Jesus didn't choose to do business in the temple's exclusive Holy of Holies. He does his business in the streets and in the homes of drunks and sinners. Theologically, this is referred to as the incarnation. Jesus, the word, made flesh and walked among us, John's gospel tells us. While Jesus is seated at God's right hand in the throne room of heaven, he doesn't look down on us from afar. No, he, because he came down to earth, he's able to meet with us face to face, eye to eye, as Harry Monk says. He comes to our level. And nor do we have to shout across a great gulf uh, to get his attention, for him to hear us. No, he's close. He's, re- he's given us his spirit. Uh, and he's able to hear our struggles in close proximity. He understands the temptations we face, but also knows the way to overcome them because he himself was tempted, but he didn't sin. I like how Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2 put it and describes how Jesus corrects and guides us. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and go astray. Isn't that kind? He's so gentle with us. It's among us and our pain that Jesus ministers forgiving sin, healing the sick, casting out our demons, setting us free. But Jesus goes further still. Jesus was fully submitted, fully obedient to the will of God. In these verses, we read about Jesus' extraordinary obedience. It transports us back to this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus agonizes to the point of sweating blood for the task set before him, the task of the cross, going to the cross to take on our sin. He asks God, his Father, to take this assignment from him, this assignment to save humanity from sin and, and, and restore our relationship with God the Father. He surrenders and says, yet not my will, not what I will, but what you will. Isn't that beautiful? He comes to a point where he surrenders for us. This temptation to quit, though, uh, we have this temptation to quit. 
um, but instead surrender, he surrendered to what truly qualified as our high priest. Jesus, as God's sinless son, discovers in that moment true obedience to the Father's will. Not just fulfilling a request or duty, no, but committing himself to the Father's plan at whatever cost. The Hebrew writer explains this is what, Je- what makes Jesus perfect. That this, his acceptance and sacrifice on the cross is what becomes our eternal salvation. So this passage in Hebrews outlines four key things that qualify Jesus to be the great high priest for all time, that he was the son of God, that he was appointed by God, that he has incredible empathy with our temptation and with with our sin, uh, and that he was obedient uh, to to God's will. These things qualify Jesus for this role. Let me read again the the, the verses 7 to 9 from chapter 5. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey. Now, if you were having a crisis of faith, which would you choose? Would you go back to a bearded guy in a turban with your animals to be burnt at the temple? Or would you come to Jesus who understands, the Son of God, who understands our sinfulness, our brokenness, our disobedience uh, to grace? Jesus has introduced a new system, a new way of dealing with our fear, doubt and sin. He offers gentle grace. Our world is hurting right now. Coronavirus has taken the lives of almost 300,000 people and many families have been impacted with sick and, uh, sick and, 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 and suffering loved ones. Businesses are closing. Jobs are being lost. We can't visit our elderly family members. Our grandparents uh, can't have their beloved grandchildren visiting them, and I know that gives them so much joy. Children are having to be taught by people like me. It's strange but true that in moments of incredible suffering and loss that we tend to turn to God the most. I was at the beach the other day and bumping Steve Hawke, and we had a moment of reflecting together on how we tend to press into God when things aren't going so well, when things are tough. And we struggle to do that when things are easy. We agree it would be nice to have both the comfort of everyday life um, and close proximity to God, but that never seems to, never seems to work. It shouldn't surprise us then that as our world suffers, the impact of this global pandemic, Uh, people are turning to prayer and looking for comfort in God. The Guardian in the UK reported that uh, 24% of the population have tuned in to a church service in the last month and uh, that 
um, they've also the University of Copenhagen has also released a report on the number of uh, searches in Google is increasing uh, dramatically on the subject of prayer. People are trying to understand this pandemic through uh, a spiritual lens. We are looking for something certain in a time of incredible uncertainty. How can we respond to Jesus as a great high priest? Well, the author of Hebrews encourages two things. The first thing he says in chapter 4, verse 14, is let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. You know, we can hold on to all kinds of things in uncertain times. But let me encourage you to have your faith be the last thing you let go of. Uh, let's not allow our, um, our questions, you know, to worry us and consume us. Let's, have, uh, let's hold firm to this faith that we have in Jesus, the great high priest. He, he's reliable as the son of God, uh, as one appointed by God, with this incredible empathy for our brokenness, our doubt, our sin, and with, um, with his incredible obedience. He is worthy uh, to be held on to in this time. And also, verse 16 of chapter 4 says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive the mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, I need lots of mercy and grace, uh, and certainly in these times, as I'm trying to teach uh, my daughters, as I'm trying to uh, you know, look after my family, uh, lots of things going on, uh, but I need lots and lots of mercy and grace. But the question I feel like this verse begs is, how will we approach the throne of God? Will we approach it with confidence? Uh, I hope so. Whatever your struggle today, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, maybe even it's spiritual, maybe you're experiencing a faith crisis, I hope these words from Paul the Apostle, uh, when he talks about Jesus, uh, come true. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God bless. Let's pray.